Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're in a series called Receiving Healing Through the Atonement. And we're looking at different pictures in the Bible of salvation, pictures of healing, all of which prove that the source of healing, the basis for our healing, is the atonement of Christ. That on the cross, Jesus didn't just pay the price for our sins to be forgiven, but also for our sicknesses to be healed. And sins and sicknesses are, in the Bible are connected closely together. There's only one remedy for both, and that's the atonement of Christ. For instance, Romans says, the wages of sin is death. So connected with sin is death. Sin carries a curse called sickness and death. And Corinthians says it a similar way, in an interesting way for our story today, because we're going to talk about the brass serpent on the pole and how that shows that healing is in the atonement and how to receive our healing. Corinthians says the sting of death is sin. So here's a picture of sin as a scorpion or a serpent that has a sting, it has a poison, and that poison produces death. The sting of death is sin. And we've all been bitten by that serpent called sin. And actually, it starts with the sin of Adam. He, he was bit by the serpent in Genesis 3. And that brought the curse, the poison, of sickness and death on the whole human race. And it took the second Adam, Jesus, to take all that poison on himself to set us free. And through his resurrection, he gives us a new, abundant, everlasting life that's free from sin and its curse, sickness. And um, it's free from the poison, if you like. So the remedy for sin and sickness has to be the atonement of Christ. Only Jesus could remove that from us through his death on the cross. So the answer to sin and to sickness is not to look to ourselves, is not to trust in ourselves, but to look to to Christ, to trust in Christ, to, to look to his work on the cross. As Isaiah declares in I, Isaiah 53, he points us to the work of the Messiah on the cross. He says, surely he has borne our griefs, literally our sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, or literally our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken of God, smitten and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, for our shalom, our wholeness, our health, was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin, and its curse, the iniquity of us all. And we're going to see this perfectly illustrated in an Old Testament picture of how God heals and saves us through faith in Christ. And uh, the story comes from Numbers chapter 21. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. And this is a picture of the sin of Israel. Before we go into the solution to that sin uh, that God presents in through this story, let's just understand sin a bit better, because it's sin that robs us of the presence of God and robs us of our health. And this reveals the nature of sin. It's actually murmuring. You might think, well, that's not so serious, a bit of murmuring. 
bit of complaining. But actually, it was a manifestation of the rebellion in their hearts, the wrong heart attitude. That's dissatisfaction they had. Uh, you know, we tend to judge sin from the outside, but God looks on the heart at the source of the sin. What we judge as sin is only the outward manifestation of the sin that's happened in the heart. The essence of sin that is revealed here in the Israelites is the devaluing and the rejection of the presence of God in our life. You see, they had the presence of God, but they weren't satisfied because there were certain things they didn't have. And they devalued the presence of God. The fear of the Lord, on the other hand, is valuing his presence above all things. It's valuing it as holy. And that's what keeps you from covetousness. That's what keeps you from sin. Sin comes from covetousness, where you, you want something, and you walk away from the presence of God in order to get that thing. You value that thing above the presence of God. And that's what the Israelites were doing. They had the glory of God. They had the presence of God. They took it for granted. They didn't value it, but they valued things instead and murmured against God because they didn't have all the things they wanted. You know, it's so important that we're grateful for the life we've been given, the things we have now, and especially for the presence of God that we have, that we should value above all things. We should love the truth of who we are. And if we're lacking something in our life, not to covet it, but to trust God's presence to bring us into our promised land. See, that the Jews failed in this. They, they didn't repent, they just kept on murmuring. It says ten times they tested God. They just kept on murmuring. But had they exalted God's presence in their, in their midst, his presence would have led them into that promised land of abundance. But they missed it. Their sin was in valuing and coveting the things more than God's presence. And that, that was what was behind their murmuring and their dissatisfaction. That led them out of God's presence. And he, they, he would have given them everything they wanted if they would have just put him first. Because they weren't willing, willing and obedient, a willing heart, they didn't eat the good of the land. So cultivate a willing heart. Put God's presence first. We do need to understand sin because it's what pulls us out of the presence of the healer and his healing. It, the answer is in the presence of God. And if we value the presence of God above everything else and welcome the presence of God, that's the key, really, to receive healing. Jesus said, don't lay up for your things, yourselves treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven, which are eternal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's such a deep saying. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In other words, what your treasure is what you value. What you value is what you put first, what you give your attention to, what you focus on. Where you, that's where your heart is, is where your treasure is. So the more you value the Lord and his presence, the more your heart will be seeking him. It also points to the fact that what you focus on, what you, where you put your heart, what you meditate on, what you focus on, will actually become what you value. Whatever you give your attention to will become more valuable to you. And there's another principle, which is the type and the measure of attention and value you give to something actually determines how much you receive back from it. Jesus said that what you measure 
the, according to the measure we give, it will be measured to us. So the, the key choice we make in life is what do we value the highest? What do we give our attention to? What do we focus on? And that then directs our heart, that directs our consciousness, that directs where we focus ourselves. We will always, our heart will always be on what we treasure. And so we need to treasure the Lord above all things. And the, Jesus went on to say that the lamp of the body is the eye. In other words, what you focus on, what you look at, what you value the highest, that determines what will fill you, what will enlighten you, what will control you. He said, if therefore your eye, your focus is good, if it's on the Lord, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, your body will be full of God's healing power. But if your eye is bad, if your focus is coveting other things, not the presence of God, your whole body will be full of darkness, sickness. If therefore the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And he goes on and says, no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or be loyal to the one and despise the other. Notice, despise the other, devalue the other. You, you cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you, you are either going to value God more highly, in, or you're going to value mammon, the, those things. Now, God wants to bless you with those things, but you need to make that decision to love God more, to focus your eye on him more. That is the key for you, to ha for your treasure to be in the right place. Then your heart will be in the right place. Then you will actually be free from, from sin. Uh, you cannot balance seeking the presence of God and things equally. You've got to love one more than the other. And if you don't make that choice, you'll end up always following the flesh and going into sin. And so Jesus is here giving us the key to be free from sin. He, he is telling you that you don't resist, you don't overcome sin by fighting against it. That's not the main key, by fighting against the darkness. The key is to turn to the light, to focus on the presence of God. He says that if we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The key is what you look at, what you give your attention to, what you value. If you value the presence of God, if you value the light, then that will cause you to be cleansed from sin. But because the light will, will cleanse you of that sin. And that's a key to receiving healing is to focus on the Lord, to focus on the eternal things, to focus on his presence in your life. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat, drink, about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more valuable than the food and body, more valuable than clothing. Life. What is your life? The quality of your life is actually determined by the degree of the presence of God in your life. And Jesus said, your life, beware of covetousness, that is, treating things as more valuable than the presence of God, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things that you possess. Your real life consists in the presence of God. If you value the presence of God above all things, 
then those things will be added to you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his, his presence, his love, his joy in your life. If you'll do that, all these things will be added to you. And so I, I just wanted to explain that is the nature of sin, to reject the presence of God in favor of other things, idols. But what's the remedy for sin? How can we be... What's the basis for which we can be set free from that darkness? And it's given in the story in Numbers. So we've seen Israel in sin. Then in verse 6 it says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. These serpents are a picture of sin. These serpents are poisonous. Fiery means that the injection of poison sets your whole body on fire. And these serpents contain the poison of sickness and death and sin is like a serpent that when it bites you it releases that poison of sickness and death in your life so as a result of their sin this is pictured by these serpents now among the people they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died therefore the people came to Moses and said we've sinned for we've spoken against the Lord and against you pray to the Lord that he would take the serpents away from us so Moses prayed for the people and the answer is now what is the remedy for this situation we've all been bitten by sin we've all been bitten by the poison what is God's remedy for that And here we have one of the most wonderful pictures of the cross that reveals that the the remedy for sin and the remedy for sickness is the same thing. It's the atonement of Christ. And when Moses prayed, God said to Moses and gave Moses the solution. God's painting a picture of the solution. Make a fiery serpent. That's an interesting thing. Make a fiery serpent. He was to make it and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. That's a great, you, you look and you live. And notice it's the focus. What do you focus on? What do you focus your attention on? When he looks at it, in faith, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. What an extraordinary story. Apparently, the remedy for sin and sickness, for the serpent and its poison, was a bronze serpent lifted up on a pole. And this is a picture of the cross, as we'll see, the New Testament points out. And we note here that forgiveness from the sin and healing from the poison of the serpent was available through a look of faith looking to the cross not by works but by looking to something that provided it as a free gift and if there was healing provided from the poison of the serpent in the Old Testament picture of salvation how much more must healing be provided in the fulfillment in Christ when Christ was lifted up on the cross well As a result of Israel's sin, they were bitten by the serpents. They were sick, they were dying. And so a fiery bronze serpent was set on a pole and they were told to look at that bronze serpent and if they did, they would receive life. Everyone who heard that word and looked at the serpent, they lived. And this is a picture of faith. Looking on Jesus 
on the cross. Every, they would, would be, if you do that, you'll be forgiven and you'll be healed. And this shows that forgiveness and healing was, is freely available for each one of those Israelites who sinned. And God wanted them all to be forgiven and healed. And he provided healing and forgiveness for them all. But they had to receive it through looking upon that bronze serpent. And I want to explain that to you. What they actually saw was a representation of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins and their sickness. The serpents, now let's decode it. The serpents were a picture of sin that contained that poison. And when man is bitten by the serpent of sin, he receives the poison, the curse, into himself. And that's where sickness comes from. And that was pictured by these Israelites becoming poisoned and sick unto death. By lifting up the bronze serpent, God was revealing his remedy. The perfect Messiah would be lifted up and would become a sin and a curse for us on the cross so that we could receive the blessing of life. And so the, Jesus bore our sin and our sickness on the cross so that we can have forgiveness and healing. Now, that's why the serpent was bronze. Bronze is a metal that represents in the Bible judgment. So this serpent represents sin, not just sin, but sin that has been judged. So the picture of a serpent on the pole is a picture of sin being put up on the cross. Sin was put on Jesus and sin was judged on Jesus. Jesus received the judgment for our sin. And so he, on the cross, he received the judgment in our place. He became sin and received the judgment of sin. And so the serpent of sin, the serpent, sin has been taken by Jesus on the cross and judged and defeated once and for all. So when they looked on that serpent, what did they see? They saw their sin, their sin, judged, bronzed, as it were, and therefore defeated. And therefore, when they looked and they saw that and they received that, they lived. They were delivered from the power of the serpent. And likewise, when we see Jesus lifted up on the cross for us, and we see our sin judged and our sickness judged, the poison judged on the cross, that Jesus took it and judged it, then we see that we are free from the power of that sin, and we are free from the power of that sickness, and we look and we live, praise God. And this is explained for us by Jesus himself in his first recorded major teaching. Therefore, it's a foundational teaching in John 3. It's the teaching about the new birth. And Jesus expounds the new birth in terms of this very miracle in Numbers. Let's start in John 3, verse 5. It says, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, he talks about being born again. And now the, the, the new birth is the work of the Father. The Father accomplishes this birth. And it's an act of God's grace. And, but he does it through the Spirit. 
the Spirit of God, because he goes on and says, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So again, it's a pic. The Father gives birth to us through the Spirit. And so to receive eternal life is from the Father through the Spirit, but under what conditions does the Spirit blow in and do that miracle in us? Nicodemus asks that very question in verse 9. How can these things be? How can that happen? And Jesus' answer now refers to this miracle, this story in Numbers. And the answer is that the Spirit flows through the work of the Son on the cross. And those who look on the Son in faith, they receive that life. They receive the Spirit, the presence of God coming into their life and giving them a new birth, giving them that abundant life. Because this is the famous verses in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross. Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of this. As the serpent's lifted up, I'll be lifted up on the cross. I will take your sin and I will receive the judgment on your sin on myself. And he says that whoever believes in him, the Son of Man is lifted up on the cross, so that whoever believes in him, whoever looks to him, Whoever sees him dying for them on the cross should not perish but have eternal life. They see him taking the judgment of death and then they receive that eternal life. For God so loved the world, and the lit this word so means in this way. How did God love the world? Through sending his son to be lifted up on the cross as the serpent on the pole. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross. That whoever believes in him, whoever looks to him, should not perish but have eternal life. In other words, he who looks shall live. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so Jesus was lifted up. The picture of the serpent on the pole. He took our sins, and he took our sicknesses. Because if in the type, in the picture in the Old Testament, they were healed through looking at the serpent on the pole, how much more can we be healed by looking to Jesus lifted up on the cross and believe in him and receive that abundant and eternal life? We can receive healing. If, they, if the Israelites received healing and forgiveness, how much more is there healing available to us? through Jesus being lifted up on the pole. Praise God. And so what the serpent, on the, the bronze serpent did for Israel, Jesus is saying he will do for the whole world through his death on the cross. The Spirit of God, in other words, the presence of God flows from the Father through the Son and in particular through his death on the cross so that those who look to God and those who have the look of faith and they see the presence of God flowing to them through the work of Christ on the cross who took our sin who took our sickness who took that bite of the serpent who took the poison on himself so that we might have the presence of God flowing to us those who look and see can receive the presence of God, the healing power of God flowing forth from the cross. We can be born again and we can receive his abundant life. 
as Israel looked and lived, so likewise, all who look upon Jesus, dying for their sin and their sickness on the cross, will receive life. They'll receive forgiveness, healing. They'll live spiritually, physically, in abundance. That's what Jesus came to do, to give us eternal life. So when Jesus became sin, he also became our curse. And when we look to him, we can receive forgiveness and healing. If Israel received healing through the type, through the picture of the atonement, how much more can we receive healing through the reality, through the fulfillment, through faith in Christ's atonement? This is Galatians 3, isn't it? Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having become a curse for us. He became that serpent on the pole. He became accursed. He took the judgment for us. For cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so when we look on Jesus, he taking the curse for us, taking our sickness for us on the cross, we see Jesus, and then we can look and we can live. We can see the presence of God flowing, the healing power of God flowing from the cross, and we can receive it because the legal basis was accomplished on the cross. Praise God. We must look and live. The key is the look. We must value the presence of God above all. Sin devalues the presence of God. But we are to look. We're to turn to the light. The light of God, the presence of God, flows through from God through the cross. We are to look to him. And if we value the presence of God at all, focus on Jesus, focus on his Holy Spirit, focus on the grace of God flowing to you through the cross. Put the highest value on the presence of God and then your heart will be receptive to receive that healing anointing, to receive the presence of God, to shine into you. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of the healing light of God. The key is in your focus. Look to Jesus and see him die for your sin and your sickness and you'll receive the light of healing, the light of life. Let me introduce you to two of my CD series with eight CDs. This one is Foundations for Healing, which proves to you that in many different ways that it's God's will to heal you. You need that confidence in your heart. And in my very latest series, Receiving Healing Through the Atonement of Christ. And here I lay out in great detail all the ways in which God presents Jesus, the crucified and risen Jesus, as the source of our healing, so that you can come to God and receive healing through the atonement of Christ. This will establish the foundation you need to receive your healing and, and to walk in health. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.